0: We're going to go to Acts chapter number 27, and that's where we're going to focus today. Um, and I want you to take notes, all right? Now, we say that often, but even the Air Force did a study that said 93% of what you hear you'll forget in 30 to 45 minutes if you don't take it down. And I don't know, the older I get, the more it seems to be that I forget things, right? Anybody else say yes to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's harder. Um, some of it's selective memory, right? Some of it's selective listening, but other parts of it is this, my mind just isn't what it used to be. And so as we step into this today, I, I'm not saying this because it's a good word coming from me, but it's a good word coming from the Lord. I think this would be very good for you to take notes. Two reasons. Number one, you're gonna need it. Number two, I know for sure somebody you know is gonna need this today. All right, so let's go into it and let's look. If you know anything about Acts chapter 27, this is a story about Paul. And this is Paul on a ship and they're trying to get to Rome um, and they are having a battle to get there. If you read the first eight verses of this passage of scripture, you'll find that in those eight verses that Paul many times is talking about how the trip is going slow. The trip is not going good. everything's kind of falling apart. They're fighting battle of winds everywhere they go. We're going to pick up in verse number nine, and, and I'm going to give you a hefty amount of notes today, and I'm going to try to do it in a timely manner. So grab them. If you cannot grab them all, I will email you my notes. Just get with me after service, okay? You got that? Everybody got it? Say got it. All right, so keep up with what you can, but don't let it become a stra- distraction because I can bail you out later, all right? So here it is. Let's look at this. In, in verse number nine, it says this, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever f- uh, felt like this, but it said, we had lost a lot of time. Have you ever felt like that in your life? And have you ever felt the next sentence is very true? Because the weather was becoming dangerous and sea travel. Now I know you're like, I'm not a boat person. But let's put this in a spiritual sense. How many of you have ever felt like you were trying to get somewhere in your life? Trying to be something that you haven't been in your life, become something that you, you haven't achieved yet in your life, but it felt like every time you tried, something was fighting against you. And every time you turn around, something was happening. Literally, I went to elders meeting on Wednesday night. I'm going to go into detail. I got three phone calls within the 45 minutes we got out of elders meeting until the time church started. That was a snowball effect that just took me from a mountaintop to a valley very quickly. How many of you have ever had those kind of days, right? And so I'm literally, I look at Chris and it's like, you're going to have to get this started because I need 30 seconds to try to get my mind back to Jesus. Because in those moments, our minds go other places, Right? Let's be human in the room today, but let's also in our humans say, we're not gonna remain human, we're gonna try to become supernatural through the Holy Spirit. And let's realize that when those moments happen, there's a lot of things that can come into mind, a lot of things that can come into play. And we're gonna look at that. It says the sea was too dangerous because it was late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. And look at this, Paul's trying to warn them and tell them that, hey, we do not need to travel. That's really what he's doing. But I want you to understand that sometimes, I'll give you a freebie in this verse. They're traveling in a season they shouldn't be traveling in because they didn't leave when they should have left. I want you to get this waiting and delaying what God is calling you to do could put the storms a little bit more difficult in your life. I understand says a three-letter word when God speaks to you and calls you that you need to put into practice, and that is the word now, all right? Now. If today you're here and you're lost and God knocks on your heart's door and says, I want your heart, I want your life, I want to be your Lord, I want to be your Savior, that's not debatable. That's now. When God says, hey, I want you to step out, I want you to teach a small group, I want you to attend one, I want you to Volunteer, I want you to go do these things. The answer is now. You got to act when God says to act. You know, to not act when God says to act is a sin. The Bible says, Those that know to do good and do it not, to them it is what? Sin. And so understand, like, there's the sin of I'm acting in a way I shouldn't, but there's also a sin of inaction. I mean, anybody else ever pray about what God's already answered? You know, you ever done that? You ever been guilty? It's like you're you're pouring your heart out to God and God's already told you. You know, I tell people all the time, stop asking God for a sign until you're willing to open his word and read a verse. I mean, because the truth is what we pray about a lot of times is answered in his word. And we're sitting there, we're saying, God, show me what I need to do. Show me who I need to be. Do I need to take this? Do I not? Do I need to jump? Do I not? Do I follow through or do I back out? Is this you or is it not? I literally was standing with some clients the other day who say, yeah, we, we really need to pray and we, we really need to seek. And I was like, you know what I love about prayer is that I can pray through the process that God will use the process to say yes or no. And you say, well, what I wanna offer, and this is what they said, is way too low. Then use that as a prayer fleece. I remember when my wife and I bought our first house, we prayed about a specific number of what we were gonna pay for that house. And we were not gonna go, even though approved, a, a, a dime above it. Now, can I tell you how hard that is? Because at some point you're like, ooh, this is super spiritual. Yes, this is going to be good. And we're going to get a yes because we're following God. And we offered on that house and guess what they said? No. Matter of fact, we got $3,500 away. Now, if you've ever been in business, $3,500 away is not that much when it comes to making big purchase and decision. So much so that my realtor at the time called me and said, you're really going to lose this deal over 3500 dollars and I went to Jordan and I said, are we sure that that's what God said? And, and I'll never forget her response. It either is or it isn't. He either is or he isn't. It's either what he said or he didn't say it at all. If we've, it, Matter of fact, I've heard somebody say this and I think you need to write it down. What God shows you in the light, don't forget in the dark. It's the same truth in the hard times as it is in the easy. It's easy to say, okay, God, here's my number. It's hard that your number doesn't match up with what somebody else's number is. And I remember we loaded the car and we went to Illinois, heartbroken, driving up there because every house we wanted got sold. And here we are with another one that we want that were $3,500 off and they're saying no. And I remember going to sleep that night mad at God for answering my prayer. Anybody else ever done that? You know, like God, you know, you're supposed to be for me. And the truth is we're created for him. And all of a sudden, the next day, I get a phone call from the agent, and, and, and she said, I don't know what's going on, but she said, the lady called us this morning and said last night, God would not let her sleep because she had messed up and is willing to take your price. You know, here's two things that happened in that moment. Number one, you know it's God. You know, when, when things get hard and bills get hard to pay and things come up against you, face a mountain, you can remember the moment that God said Yes. When things at Grace Community Church get hard, I remember the moment that on one day God answered three fleeces and made it possible for this to happen. You have got to have a faith that believes in God, yes, but you've got to have a faith that stays fervent and stays foundational on the things that God has said. Now, I'm not saying you might not be in a real estate deal right now. You might not be in these other things. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what is it that you're praying and asking God to answer that number one, you need to stick to the answer or number two, he's already answered. You're just trying to change his mind. I found this to be true. Most people don't want counseling. They want an agreement partner. And so when they're going through something in their life, they'll go to this person, that person, this person, that person till they get somebody that agrees with them. And then when they get the person that agrees with them, that's the person they take advice from. And that is a bad idea. The truth is this. If God is speaking in your life and God is talking in your life, you need to respond now. And that's why Paul went. He said, hey, this is the wrong season for us to be on this, on this cruise. This is the wrong season for us to be on this this water. It's not going to work out good. I want you to write this down. Uh, There's something we see here in the next few verses that teach us a lot about why we make bad decisions sometimes. Who in here would admit that you've made a bad decision at some point? All right, good deal. Don't look at somebody. All right. (laughs) He's the bad decision. No, don't do that. All right, now, here's the thing. Understand, we make bad decisions. There's there's three reasons sometimes why, and we find it right here. Uh, number one is, and, and we find this in verse number nine and verse number 10. Um, Paul spoke at the, to the ship's officers about it. He's telling them it's not good to go. In verse number 10, men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Hey, can I tell you this? Galatians 5 is not a suggestion. Ephesians is not a suggestion. Colossians, these lists that God gives us that say don't get involved in these things are not suggestions. They're literally God's warning like Paul saying you're going to shipwreck if you get involved in these things in your life. Sexual sin, impure, impure thoughts, getting involved in wild and careless parties, drunkenness, and all these things, bad behavior. Are you with me? Say it's, 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 gossip, dissension, division. Stay away from these things. Why? Because there's shipwreck, loss of cargo. There's things that are going to happen. Your life will fall apart. Your lose what you've worked hard for and things will not work out. Understand this. Sometimes in our lives, we go to church and God will put a sermon on a stage that is simply a warning to not go forward with the way you want to act right now. To not go forward with the things that you want to do right now. Because you might wreck the ship because this is not a good season for you to be on the move. Now, look at this. Here's one of the reasons we find it in the very next verse. One of the reasons why we make bad decisions is we get bad advice. But the officers in charge of the prisoners listen more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. How many of you have ever gotten bad advice and suffered the consequences of it? Right? Like, um, it it just doesn't feel good, does it? You want to make bad decisions? Get bad. And I'm going to put a, I got a slash in my notes here, and I wrote the word ungodly. To get advice, and I'll tell you this right now, you might call this extremism, but life is too fragile and too short for us to waste our time. I do not have major advisors in my life that are not believers. The believers that I know are walking with God are the people that I lean on the most for major advice. God sent His Son to the earth. His Son went and found 12 businessmen, changed their mind about business, switched them into a mindset of godliness in their business, and then used those 12 businessmen to radically change the world. The one that wouldn't change their mind about how they operated ended up committing suicide, but the other 11 ended up going out and radically changing the world for God. God does not necessarily need me to go have tons of pastors on my dialogue. He needs me to look around and say, okay, you're in this field of work. You're in this business. You're a teacher. You're a, a, a business person. You're a financial advisor. You're somebody that does this. You love the Lord. You're following the Lord. Help me. Hey, number one thing, you will not get advice that leads you to God from a world that doesn't know him. So you want to know how we make bad decisions and get shipwrecked? We get bad advice. All right, number two, look at this. We'll find this one in verse number 12. In verse number 12, it says, and since Fair Havens was exposed harbor, a a poor place to spend the winter, right? Circle these next few words. Most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix. All right, now here it is. A number two way that you mess up your life is when you go with the majority. The majority is often wrong. I've heard Rick Warren say that a bunch. The majority is often wrong. Hey, can I tell you this? In society, The crowd and the loud are normally not the way to go. How many of you got it? All right, so we went to a concert uh, with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law this past week. And um, in that concert, once it got over, we were walking up Thompson Bowling, trying to get out. But our seats were right by what they call the merchandise table. And so as soon as this concert got out, everybody went towards the merchandise cable. I've never been in a situation like this in my life to where I'm literally standing in a crowd to where every part of my body, upper body, is being touched by another person. Literally. And you could not move. There was no movement. And then all of a sudden, people started pushing. And and, and next thing you know, my wife looks at me and says, I cannot do this. This is too claustrophobic. And the only thing I knew to do was get back in the arena, If I can just get back to the arena, because everybody else is coming to this. Now, hear hear this, real life situation. Everybody thought it was a good idea to exit that way, and nobody could exit. The crowd was wrong. I I looked at them, and I said, we're going back in the arena. I grabbed Jordan, and we just got there. And when we got there, my brother-in-law looked at me and said, good call. You know why? Nobody was in the arena. How many of you have ever been to Thompson Bowling? All right, so we needed to get from section 116 all the way to section 100, which is on the other side. If we'd have walked with the crowd, we'd have got stuck in a claustrophobic cluster that we would not have been able to get out of, but going where the crowd wasn't opened up a clear path for us to be able to get out in less than 30 seconds. Right, here's the logic. The world is on a broad path and that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow path, the Bible says, that leads to Everlasting life and few travel it. I, I, I don't know about you, but we can say, well, this is what everybody else is doing and wind up in a traffic jam the rest of our lives. Wind up robotic and looking like everybody else. Or we can say, let's find the path that nobody else is taking and let's let us lead us to the place that nobody else can get. Dave, uh, uh, what is it? Dave Ramsey used to say, if you will live the way that nobody else is willing to live today, one day you'll be able to live a way that nobody is able to live because of the choices you made today. I'm going to tell you this right now. When we are in ships that are sailing on rough waters, when our life is difficult, number one, hey, be very careful where you're getting advice from. And number two, do not trust the crowd. How many of you got it? Say got it. Right now we're living in a world that that you've got to be very clear on what you're trusting because there's a lot allowed right now, isn't there? I mean, there's a, a, a lot of pro-Israel, anti-Israel, pro-Palestine, anti-Palestine. And what we need to be is pro the word of God, supporting God's people and understanding what God wants us to do. And, and, and hopefully, God willing, we'll dissect this a little bit further in the weeks to come to make it easier and clearer to see for our church the positions we need to take in the last days, all right? So we'll get there. But understand this, we are not going to be popular with the crowd. Today, I could come in here and I actually had somebody say this recently and they said, we, we, they had left grace and they're, they're back at grace. And they said, well, where we were going turned into nothing more than a celebration. It was always celebrate and never meet. And I'm not even going to say where. They said, the difference here is we, we get to learn and go deeper into things. And I thought, okay, God, help us to stay that way because the church, if we're not careful, Matthew 24 says that even believers are going to be deceived. And Jesus speaking of the and time says that some of the false prophets are going to come from the house of God. And so what we got to understand is, hey, as a church, we can still be a thriving church standing on an old school God truth and not having to conform to the modern ways of saying that it's all fluff, lovey-dovey, and there is no meat. There is meat in the scripture today. There are standards and morals in the scriptures today, and you are not going to fail living by God's word. You will fail if you go with the crowd instead of going with Jesus. The same crowd saying, Hosanna in the highest. Here he is, king of kings, crucified him less than a week later. I don't want to be a crowd that can change my mind about God. I want to be a crowd who has a foundation built on God that says certain things are not debatable, even in storms. We'll stay consistent. But the crowd will get you up. All right, look at this in verse number 13. The number three thing that will make us so many times make bad decisions in storms is when we start trusting the circumstance more than we trust Christ. When we start seeing what's going on around us, look at verse 13. It says this, and um, when the light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. You know what that is? It's saying, okay, in some translations, you see the word a favorable wind. You know, like, can I tell you this? Sometimes in life, we can make things happen. Am I right? How many of you can, and close your eyes because nobody likes to admit this openly. How many of you can manipulate the situation to work out for your good? Raise your hand. All right? How many of you can, but you don't want to admit it? No, I'm just kidding. That's getting you to raise your hand. Look at me. Um, I I will say this at the heart of addiction and the heart of sin is manipulation, Um, it's being able to twist things. Satan did it beautifully. Did God say you were going to die? You're not going to die. You're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. Did he lie? No. Did they immediately die? No. But did they immediately know good and evil? Yes. Were they like God? Yes. But they were a way they didn't want to be. As a matter of fact, let's put it this way. Sometimes it's good to trust God with things that you don't understand and try, instead of trying to figure them out. Because there are some things I'm glad only God knows because I would probably lose my mind if I knew. Can we give examples? You would lose your mind if you knew God's plan for the rest of your life because it's bigger than you ever thought you could be. And it's gonna take you places you never thought you could go. Aren't you glad that God knows and doesn't show you the whole story? All right, well, how about this one? How many of us would lose our mind if we knew how many demons would try to destroy our lives today? If we literally could see the spiritual warfare against our lives in this very moment as we're driving down the road, if we could just see what the enemy's trying to do to take you out. I firmly believe that multiple times a day, Satan wants you dead. But you're alive and breathing today because there's a mercy and a grace of God, a protection. He gives his angels charge over you today. And I am thankful today. There's certain wars I cannot see. But just because I cannot see it doesn't mean I don't need to be aware of it. It's there. You got it? How many of you are glad that God knows things that you don't know? Yeah, but sometimes we're like, okay, well, we shouldn't sell. But the wind's blowing good today. I'm feeling pretty good today. You know, I don't know about you, and this probably isn't the manliest moment of my life, but I don't have many of those anyway. Let's go. Do you ever get in the moment that you just want to go shopping? All right. No, no, no. Joseph, stay with me. Joseph, you ever just want to go to Home Depot and buy a tool? That makes me better, right? All right. You're just like, you know, I don't use the tools I have. They're organized in my tool chest. Yeah, you know open them. If somebody came over and wanted to borrow a tool, I could look really cool because I have some tools. But the thing is, is every now and then, I'll be walking through a store and not needing anything, want to buy something. Come on, I'm not the only one. You know what happened? You're feeling pretty good that day. Somebody's told you you might get a bonus. There's a job opening up that you might get a promotion. And you start living as if you're already there. Anybody ever done this? only to find that you take it and then you don't get the promotion, the bonus doesn't come through, or it does come through, but the air conditioner went out at your house in the process. How many of you have ever noticed that God gives you bonuses because he knows what's coming? And a lot of times we start living off of bonuses as if God is trying to elevate us and God is actually giving you protection. He's putting oil in the barrel before you need it. And if we're not careful, we'll spend it away and will not be able to survive what we're going through. You understand this today? I think sometimes when we start trusting the feelings and emotions, when we start trusting what's going on around us, we can either act in panic or we can either act in a faithless way. You say, well, panic is faithless, and I get that. But panic could be I'm scared and I start making decisions from pressure instead of purpose. All right, can we write that down? If you're making decisions right now because you feel pressured into them, those are impulsive and they might not work out. Purpose means I do everything, and we say this at our church all the time. You might want to write it down as well. Everything we do is on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. Don't make a decision just because it sounds like a good decision. Does it fulfill the vision that God has given you in your life? If you understand this concept, it will change your life. The wind may seem favorable right now, but in the very next verse, it can change. How many of you have ever had a mood change from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m.? Right? Yeah. Uh, I told you Wednesday I had a mood change. It was so bad for me that I literally did not stay after service. I normally stick around. I'm normally here to about 10, 10.30, maybe you know, getting home around 11 o'clock on a Monday or on a Wednesday, but I was in a bad mindset and knew to stay would be dangerous and opened up and I needed to get back to my safe space, which is with my family, who my wife is a great believer and I know will not allow me to baby it and thumb suck and sit and pout. And so I literally came straight back in after talking to Chris, told everybody bye and left. I didn't play on my phone or didn't respond to many text messages when I got home. Although the people that knew me were very encouraging saying, hey, I could tell something was going on. But the reality is at some point in my life, I need to understand that there are seasons in life when I don't need to make decisions. Can I tell you this right now? Write this down. If you are depressed, even a remote amount, no major decision needs to be made in your life today. If you've got anxiety, even in a remote amount, no major decision needs to be made today. If you are royally ticked off and angry and you cannot stand him or her, no decision needs to be made about your marriage today. This is not the time. You say, but the circumstances. When circumstances start making your decisions for you, you're making bad decisions. And too many people fall prey to that. So look at this. They set sail anyway. Verse number 13, we see where they, 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 they say, hey, you know, there's a light wind. Let's, uh, let's pull the anchor up. Let's sail close to the shore of Crete. Verse number 14, but the weather changed abruptly and a typhoon uh, strength wind called a northeastern burst across the island and blew us out the sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. Look at this. So they gave up they let it run before the gale you know what that is we lose hope and we just let go this is how you gain 50 pounds in six months your heart gets broken and the eating habits you have you give up you just let go and little debbies at midnight are a good thing especially now that the christmas tree ones are out a whole carton of ice cream no i don't care Listen to me, if you're single and your heart gets broke, don't turn to food, right? Don't turn to music, don't turn to lifestyle because if you're not careful, guess what? You're 50 pounds heavier, you don't feel like going out, you don't feel like, like anybody could ever love you and next thing you know, Satan tells you how ugly you are. And now you're standing in a mirror, so disappointed in yourself and then he says, how could you let yourself get this far? And then he says, you'll never be able to get that weight off of you. You'll never be able to get back. And then he says, you'll always be alone. And then he says, you should end it. I mean, there's a progression that happens quickly in our lives when the storms are raging. And I I don't know about you, but some people, they're like, well, I can't pay my bills anyway, so I'm just going to go, I'm going to go eat out every day. I'm going to go do whatever I want. and We'll figure this out at the end of the month. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You know what Satan's saying? Lose your hope. Give up. Let the wind control your life. And if the wind is in control of your life, you will be out to the sea you cannot handle. Now, how many of you would admit today in front of people because they need to see it? At some point of your life, either the pain was too great, the loneliness was too real, or something happened in your life, and you let go, and you took up drug, you took up alcohol, you took up sex, you took up something else to fill that void, and you just said, I don't care anymore. How many of you can raise a hand and say, I have let the 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 wind sail my ship and found myself in a very deep ocean and not knowing how to get out? Stick your hands up. Hey, look around the room. Look, look around the room. There's probably 300 people in this room right now. And I would say about 70% have their hand in the air. Hey, right, can I tell you this? How many of you are so thankful that Jesus still walks on water? That even when the ship is out there and the wind is going, there is a master of the seas that can come to you. Hey, that's why we're sitting here today, right? Who's got that testimony? Say yes, that's me. Yeah, that's me. God's still good. Now, here's the thing. We can get in the boat and say, well, I'm gonna be carefree because God's good. Or we can understand that even though God's good, the journey back is difficult. All right, we say it this way. The best education is preventative education, not recovery. It's easier to learn the lesson before you make the mess than it is to try to clean up the mess and learn the lesson at the same time. And so understand this. Today, God's giving you prevention and saying, hey, all right, you shouldn't be selling into this circumstance. But if you've already made the decision, there is hope. All right, there is hope. We're going to get there in just a second. So look at this. It says uh, that they, they, they got there and they just gave up hope. So I'm going to give you this real quick, three traps that you got to watch that you fall into when a storm's raging. Ready? And we're going to get these in verse number 16. Um, it, it's kind of a subconscious thing that goes on in their minds. Let, let's back up and we're going to borrow verses 15. And we're gonna go into 16 with this. And I'm gonna give you five things that they did. Ready? Uh, number one, uh, read verse 15 real quick. And it says, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the winds. They gave up and they let it run before the gale. We sailed along the shelter side of a small island named Kuda. And, and we're there, with great difficulty, we hosted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to, to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars uh, of Citrus and, uh, off the African coast. So they lowered the to see anchor to slow the ship and we and and we're driven before a wind here look at look at what they did number one they lost control of the plan all right here, here here it is when, when, when we get into a storm the, the very first thing and i'm going to give you five things under this one the very first thing that we do is we start drifting and we drift away from the plan that god has for our lives we drift away from the thing. Can I can I give you this progression and please don't take this offensively? If you are in marriage struggles, there's a drift that starts happening. And you you drift apart in communication. You drift apart in desire. You drift apart. What's the plan? The plan was you stood in front of a minister. You stood in front of a a civil person. You stood in front of a judge and you said, for better or worse and richer or poorer and sickness and health till death parts us. How many of you have heard or said something similar in your vows? Raise your hand. And then all of a sudden, the richer didn't show up, but the poor sure made its nest in your home. The sickness sure hung out. The hard days came. And the next thing you know, you start taking what's internal and making it external and you start drifting apart. And then in that drift apart, speaking from a man's perspective, because I'm not a woman, you start thinking, well, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to satisfy. We're, we're not having sex anymore. And I know our kids should be out there. If your kids are in here, I apologize. Uh, we should be teenage up. And I want the teenagers to hear this. Well, we're not as sexual because when the communication is off, the sex life is off. Say amen if that's true. It's true. And you say, well, you know, I'm a sexual being. Then learn how to listen. Learn how to talk. Learn how to notice them. All right? Is that too deep? Are we good? Because what happens, the communication separates. And then in our minds, we're not getting fulfilled in the physical realm. And so we start saying, well, you know, this doesn't hurt anybody. I'll go into my bathroom. I'll go into my bedroom. I'll dial this up. I'll pull this up. And I will fulfill what she's not fulfilling. And the drift starts. And the next thing you know, you're watching something and you're fantasizing something and it's creating something else. And I know this makes you uncomfortable because 67% of the church has a porn addiction. In America, men and women both. And you say, well, what happened? A drift. We lost sight of the plan. The plan was, I got a partner. I got somebody that's going to stand with me. I got a Jonathan to my David. I got a Silas to my Paul. I got a Peter to my Jesus. I got somebody that's going to stand with me and get me through this. That's the vow is, hey, for better or worse, we've got this together. But the drift happened. Or maybe in the job, you got your dream job and hard days came. Boss comes in angry, money gets tight, things go different, and a drift starts to happen and you lose sight of the plan. You start to panic. Hey, I'm telling you this right now. I believe too many Christians are drifting or coasting. And anytime you're drifting or you're coasting, you're going downhill or you're getting sucked out to deep waters and you're not going to be able to make it alone. We've got to notice the drift. Subconsciously, things start happening in our mind. I want to say this and I want to scream it from the top of the world into your heart. May this sink into your mind. When the storm is raging, do not lose sight of the goal. Keep your eyes on where you started and where you wanted to go. I want to die married to my wife, but drift has happened in our marriage. And thank God you can recover. Are you with me? So understand this. We lose control of the plan and we get too tired to try. I mean, they, they labored. Isn't that what verse number 15 did? I mean, they, they tried hard. They couldn't turn the ship anymore. I mean, I, I'm too tired to try, so guess what I do? Number three, I give up. And when I give up, number four happens. Pressure-driven instead of purpose-driven. And, and then the last thing happens. The drift takes control. Can I, can I tell you to finish the story? The pornography doesn't settle and it doesn't satisfy because you were made for human connection. And so what happens, it starts subliminally placing things in your mind, putting things in your life. And the next thing you know, if you're not getting back to the plan, you'll go get it somewhere else. And then you're, 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 you're not in, in your mind, you're not in it for the sex. You're not in it for these things, but you get there and then you don't know how you got there. And then the enemy shows up and starts calling you Judas and you're ready to give it up. Now, I, I, I will speak from my life. I don't have to speak from yours And I know that's a very uncomfortable, but I know I'm not the only man standing in the room right now that needs to say, I've done this in my life. Thank God you need to say it in your life right now. But we need to say, hey, let's keep our eyes on the plan. And the eyes are to die with a white headed woman. That's the same woman we stood and took a vow with. To die standing beside them saying, I'm going to the end. We're finishing this course. And I know if you're sitting here and you've been through divorce, Satan's hitting you right now. Hey, no, 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 stop it. Stop it. Let's not go back. Let's move forward. And from where you are, it's saying, hey, I'm not going to drift through life. How many of you are so tired of getting up every day and feeling like life's out of control? How many of you are tired of feeling like you're not the parent you want to be? You're not the spouse you want to be? You're not the employee you want to be? You're not reaching the career hopes and dreams that you had. You're not fulfilling the purpose. Hey, I'm going to tell you this right now. Stop selling in waters you shouldn't be in. But if you're drifting right now, get back to Jesus and do exactly what he says. The danger of the storm is it makes us drift. Number two, another danger of the storm is the storm call us to start discarding things. Look at verse number 18 and 19. Y'all still with me? Say yes. The next day, as the gale force winds continued to battle the ship, the crew began to throw the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Now you talk about chaos. Chaos. Is when you get in the storm and all of a sudden you start belling on the things you believed in. You start giving up on the standards and morals you built your life on. You start compromising who you are as a person. God help us as believers that when the storm is raging, we keep the ship together. And what God has given us, we hang on to. How many of you have ever thrown something overboard that was very valuable to you? Lost something that mattered. Because everything around you was crazy. Anybody else, when you were young and pawn shops were a thing, ever pawned something you should never should have? All right. Now uh, I, I will say this: I used to go in, and my DVD collection was built off of pawn shops, where everybody would they would get rid of their DVD. How many of you have ever done this? You go in there, and you can get ten for a dollar. You go to Walmart, and they're like they were like fourteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine. You can go in there and off of people's mistakes, you can profit. How many of you have ever bought a tool or a gun or something from a pawn shop? Slip your hand up in the air. They're they're going out of business now because we got Facebook Marketplace and all these other things. I get that. But in there, what happens is people get in circumstances of life and they'll take heirlooms. They'll take a grandpa's gun. How many of you have seen some things in pawn shops? You're like, why are wedding rings? And they'll put it up thinking, I will get this back one day. They throw things that are valuable to them overboard. I'm going to say this right now, and I want you to get it. Some of us are so desperate for our careers, we're throwing our family overboard to keep a career. And some of us are so desperate for our faith that we're throwing our family overboard to be at the church every moment we can. And that's kind of like, well, wait wait a minute. Don't you want us here? Absolutely. But not at the cost of being a godly husband and wife mom or dad. Does that make sense? Now, don't go to the extreme because some of you will be like, well, I'll never have to go to church again. I'm just going to be a good parent. A good parent takes their people to church. All right, you got that? But they don't let church become their faith. Church becomes a branch of their faith, but not the root. The root is in the devotion and the personal life, the devotion and the the conversations, prayers with your children, the conversations that happen in your home. But I I see this happen too many times that, that we're trying to save our image so we will sacrifice our friends. Hey, I'm gonna tell you, can I warn you right now? Satan puts you in a storm or allows the storm to get overwhelming because he wants you to give up everything God has blessed you with. Adam and Eve gave up a garden. They gave up peace. They gave up perfection because the storm happened in the middle of the garden. What are you surrendering right now? What are you getting rid of right now that you need to hold on to? What are you saying no, 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 no to that 18 years from now you're going to wish you just said yes to? What are you, I'll be honest with you right now. I, I, I had that bad day Wednesday and Thursday was date night and I didn't want to go. I mean, I was bummed. And I wanted to take the bum of my career and let it carry over into my relationship. And I am very thankful that that did not happen because in all honesty, let's stand here in front of Facebook Live and everybody that's in this room today, Jordan should matter more than anything that happens in real estate, church, or anything else in the world. And so in that, it's like, hey, I'm not canceling this because this is the cargo I want on the ship. Because if I don't have that on my ship, my ship ain't worth anything to me. And I'm telling you this right now. I want you to write down the first two things that people start getting rid of. Ready? Write them down. Their priorities and their values. When things get tough, we throw out our priorities, don't we? When things get tough, we forget what we believe in. It's one of the greatest things that I think as as an agent or a business person or somebody that's in sales has to remember that sometimes when you're a commission-based person or sometimes when you're based on production and you're looking at that to be who you are, you'll get so caught up in needing the paycheck that you'll forget the morals and the priorities of doing the right thing in a situation. And I'll promise you this. God will reward your decision to keep things on board. Keep the cargo. Somebody in the room... Testify to this that people can make you very, very mad. Yes. People can make you want to behave very, very poorly. They can make you want to say things you should never say, do things you should never do. You've punched a lot of people in your head, haven't you? You've walked out, you've slammed some doors. My four-year-old slammed the door this week. And I was like, oh, here we go. Like, this is not good. And Gavin, uh, one of our our cousins is here. And and he said, last time I did that, I lost my door for a month. I was like, she gonna learn. It's gonna happen. But here's the thing. Like, we've, we've wanted that, right? Like, we've had these emotions and feelings. Hey, keep the cargo. Can I tell you this? Write this down. Please never forget it. Your testimony is more valuable than getting even, getting right, getting ahead. What you do is more valuable than anything else. Matter of fact, it's this way: your testimony is pointing the path to somebody's life of whether they're going to heaven for eternity or hell. Your testimony is a cargo you should hang on to. And you say, Well, I've stained it. Let's confess it. Those that confess their sins will find prosperity. Those that conceal them will find destruction. God is a God that says, Okay, you sailed the boat, messed it up. That's okay. We can fix this, we can make it right, we'll get you to shore. And I know that to be true from this story, even if you have to get to shore on the pieces of the boat, God will still get you there. So at some point, we got to come back and we got to say, there's certain things in life worth holding on to. And as a church, let's take a stand that we live in a world of chaos, a world of crazy, a world of anti-God mindset, anti-Jesus mindset, anti-truth mindset. We will not throw our belief of God's word overboard. The standards and morals of God overboard will stay on the boat. And we're definitely not getting rid of the mechanisms, the gear. I mean, how dumb is that? The, 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 the storm's too great. So let's throw, let's throw the, let's take the steering wheel off and throw it. Let's take the rudder off and throw it. How many of you have ever gotten to a goal before? You've seen God accomplish something in your life. Slip your hand up. How many of you have ever done that? Don't forget the gear that got you there. The gear isn't you. By the grace of God go I, right? 70% of you said, That you have gotten into the ship and sailed out into the sea, you should never be in. But by the grace of God, you're not there today. You are not the reason that life is better. It's the Holy Spirit, God's truth proven true. Don't discard what matters. Number three, ready? Here we go. We find this one, if you you want to read down in verse number 20, that the storm can cause you to despair. In verse number 20, It says, the terrible storm raged on for many days, blotting out the sun. And the terrible storm raged for many days, many days, blotting out the sun. And here it is, ready? Until at last, all hope was gone. That's despair. The hope of change is gone. The hope of belief is gone. I I heard this statement. I'm gonna read this quote word for word. We're almost done. A true test of your faith is not how high you jump when you're singing a praise, but how straight you walk when you're going through a valley. A true praise, a true test of faith is not how high you jump when you're singing a praise, but how straight you walk when you're going through a valley. Would you agree with this? Anybody can be a fair weather follower of Jesus, but only a true believer follows Jesus, even when the storm is raging. I'm going to give you three things to remember when you're facing a storm and then we'll be gone. In verse number 21, we see Paul step in. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, I told you so. No. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided this damage and loss. Can we say that to the church? It's not an I told you so, but learn from this. Learn from the 70%. Learn from the ones that have hurt. Learn from the ones that have failed. You don't have to go through this. Learn from their mistakes, you got it? You would avoid a lot of pain in your life. We could parade people up here and if you would just listen to their testimonies, you could avoid a lot of pain. But because you didn't, let's go to the next verse. Verse 22, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. What a statement. Like, hey, hey, let me give you, I'm going to pep talk. You ready? We're going to sink. The Titanic is going. It's going under, but you're not going to die. What a weird thing. You know, matter of fact, in a couple weeks, if God allows us, we'll be in Matthew 24. I never do this because I know Satan's going to fight it now that I put it out there. But but Matthew 24, we're going to hear where Jesus out of his own mouth says, hey, you're going to see wars and rumors of wars, famines and these things. And this is just the beginning. Then he says, you're going to see this and persecution be arrested and many of you killed. But don't lose hope. You know why? Because at the end, Jesus wins. Are you with me? Understand this. Some of you are on boats you should never be on, in seas you should never be on. It will sink. I don't wanna, that's not, that's not a lift you up by the seat of your pants and let's fly and 12 things you can do to be better. It's reality. God will always sink the boat that will destroy you, but He'll spare you. It might not be easy to get back to the shore, it might not be easy to get back on your feet, it might not be easy to recover. That boat needs to sink. I'll be honest with you, and I'm gonna say this very clearly. If you've been talking inappropriately with somebody that's not your wife or your husband, you need to stop. You say, Well, we're friends. No, that boat needs to sink. It needs to go to the bottom. If you've been dialing up things, looking up things you shouldn't be looking up, it needs to stop. That boat needs to sink. If you've been taking pills that you shouldn't be taking, that boat needs to sink. You say, But I don't wanna withdraw. You need to sink. It needs to sink. Because that boat's not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to fall apart. I mean, matter of fact, let's back up. How many of you have already been like this in verse number 17? The sailors bound ropes around the whole of the ship to try to sink in it. They were afraid to be driven across the sandbars. Hey, my question to you would be, what ropes are you using in your life right now to try to hold it together? You need to stop trying to bind your lies and trying to keep yourself together by covering it up. Let the boat sink. God's got something better for you than this. It It needs to go. How many of you in your life can recognize something, a behavior, a thought, or maybe a a, a mindset that needs to go right now? Slip your hand up in the air. How many of you got that? An anger, a resentment, a grudge, a bitterness. It needs to go. It needs to go. Say it with me. Let it sink. Say it. Ready? Let it sink. Let it go. Hey, the boat's going down, but you're not. Maybe you need to hear this today. God is a rescuer. He's a restorer. Three things you need to remember. Number one, the presence of God. Look at this, if you would. Verse 23. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of death, say it. I will what? Why? Why? for thou art with me. I am so thankful that God was with me when I came to church today. Anybody say yes to that? I'm so thankful that God was with me the day I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Anybody say yes to that? I'm so thankful that when I was in the pit of despair in the trespasses of sin, that God was there, that there's not a prodigal in the world that's far from God today that can say that God is not there, that yay, though I walk to the valley, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when, hey, though all the world forsake me, I will trust in you. Why? His presence is powerful and God is with you today. He's with you, don't ever forget it. You say, but I've messed up. God is with you. But, But people and others, God is with you. But life wasn't supposed to be this way. God is with you. Remember the presence of God. Number two, remember the purpose of God. Look at verse number 24. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, is that God in his goodness has graded safety to everyone sailing with you. I I want you to get this. Paul's on a boat as a prisoner, going to Rome, which was a dream of his to preach it, to stand a trial that would eventually take his life. The purpose of God in Paul's life was to be able to stand in Rome If you want a history lesson real quick, Rome was the one that crucified Jesus. Rome was the one in power over the Jews. Paul wasn't in the best season of his life. He was in the worst season of his life. But in that season, there was purpose. And that purpose was to be able to give the gospel in Caesar's house. And can I tell you what happens later? Most of the writings of Paul come from this passage. Most of them come from in prison in these chains. He wrote most of the New Testament and you and I can be saved today by understanding Christ clearer today because Paul's purpose, even in the midst of going as a prisoner was to get the gospel out. And many of the people in Caesar's house accepted God because of Paul. But here's the promise. the angel doesn't show up and say, Paul, this is your escape. He says, no, Paul, good news. You're still going to Rome. You're still going to be a prisoner. You know, I'm going to tell you this right now. God wants to change your life, but it doesn't mean life is going to get easier. It just simply means that in the hardship, you're going to have more power to make God know. Paul, you're going to stand before Caesar. What is your purpose today? Some of you, it's to love on a toddler. Some of you, it's it's to date right and, and get to know the person and grow towards God. Some of you, it's to teach and lead and business and and all these things. But the, the main purpose in all of it is to make God known so that God can be seen. And I'll tell you this right now, and I believe it to be very true. People are more willing to listen to somebody in their hardship rather than listening to somebody who has no hardship. And the greatest stage you will ever stand on will not be the platform at the end of your struggle, but right in the middle of it. When you can stand with a broken heart and a scared heart and say, I believe that God is the one that will get me through this storm. People that are hurting can listen. They can, they can relate. They can know. When you're the prisoner still praising God, even Caesar will take note of who you are and what you are. And Caesar represents in the Bible, if you would, the ultimate of enemies against you. It's the Goliath to Paul. It's the end of the story. It's the end of the line. But God will use you in the midst of your adversity. I will this week and begged God to change my storm and he led me to this passage and made me realize that it's in the midst of the storm we have a chance to either stand in fear or stand in faith to proclaim who we are or who we're not or to make God known and who he is so understand this today I'm not standing here in a peaceful season of life in an easy season of life but I'm standing here in the middle of turmoil knowing that God is faithful and he's good and you need to know this, that if we stay true to him, keep our purpose, then God's going to use this season. He's going to use this season to spare lives, to change the world. And then number three, remember the promises of God. Look at that last verse and we're out the door. It says this. So take courage. Verse 25, for I believe God. For I Believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Is there anybody in the room today that can say that? I believe God. But Josh, you don't know what I'm going through. I believe God. If Noah can build a boat in an area that's never seen rain, if a virgin can give birth to the Son of God, if God can dry up for three years rain at the prayer of a prophet, if God can take a 99 year old man and woman and create a generation of Jews if God can part a Red Sea and deliver millions from captivity in Egypt, if God can do those things, that even if it seems impossible with men, with God, all things are possible. I believe God. And at some point, you've got to stop listening to the enemy's lies in your head. At some point, you've got to stop cowering to the plan. Don't drift. Don't discard. Don't get in despair. Don't you dare right now start making bad decisions, taking bad advice, making circumstantial decisions and listening to the crowd. Don't do it. At some point in our generation, we need a group of believers that will stand no matter what's going on around them, no matter how much is in the bank account, and simply say, I believe God. He will do it. He will do it. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And whether you're on your couch right now in a living room or listening on Facebook or watching on a podcast or YouTube uh, or is sitting in this auditorium, is there anybody here today that says, I feel like my ship is falling apart? How many people say, I've been roping this bad boy. I've been doing everything I can. I've been trying to hold it together. And life is chaos. Slip your hand up. Where are you at in the church today? Put it up in the chat. Where are you at? Yes. Okay. How many of you today would say, right? where you stand, a declaration of war against the lie of the enemy to get depressed, a lie of the enemy to give up, a lie of the enemy to turn back. Is there anybody sitting there that would slip a hand towards heaven and say, I believe you, God, and I will trust you. Right here in my season, right here in my storm. What about it? Is there anybody here today that can slip a hand up and say, I am a child of God. Proud to be. Slip that hand up in the air proud to be. I always say this, when you get that opportunity, say thank you, because if you're like me, I don't say thank you enough for that. So thank you, God. Is there anybody here today say, I'm not a child of God, but where I sit and where I stand right now, I believe he's the Lord. I believe his son died for me. I believe he rose again. I believe he wants my heart. I give him my heart. Is there anybody in the place today that would say, today's the day I will give my heart to Jesus Christ. I will believe God for my salvation. I will make him Lord. Would you slip a hand up Is there anybody like that anywhere in the auditorium? I'm going to take a moment and look because we're going to get real. All right. How many of you today say the world scares you? What's going on in society and on the news scares you? Any parents say it's scary to have kids in this generation? All right. How many of us today? would take a stand and say we will be a church that believes in God. We will trust him that even if America shipwrecks, we're going to believe God. Even if, even if things go down the tube, economies and all this, we're not going to make recession-based decisions. We're going to trust God, believe his word. and We're going to see God do some amazing things. Now, if God allows us to, we'll finish this story. This isn't the end. This story gets even better. I mean, there are snakes in this story. There, there's venom in this story. I mean, if you're the action person in the room, this is it. But I want you to look at me. I want you to stand as you do it. Pretty soon we're going to hear Paul go to them and tell them to cut the ship lifeboats off. He's going to walk up and he's going to say, let's get rid of these because they're all going to want to get on them. And he's going to say, the lifeboats will kill you. And I'm going to tell you this right now. There shouldn't be a bell out right now in Christians where we're saying, hey, let's take the easy way. There needs to be people that say, let's stay on board this. Let's trust God. Let's trust what he has said, and we will get through this. I'm going to say this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You will not get through it alone. And that's why God has these people on the boat with you. Look around. This is a pretty full room today. There's a lot of people here. Matter of fact, I think Dusty and Whitney, after they got done with children, went upstairs to get their seat and had to come back. There's a lot of, look around the room. You're not alone. I like how Paul said, the ship's going to go down. But none of you. I pray that that's the way we start seeing each other. Your life may fall apart. You might not be able to keep your house. You might not be able to go through. You might lose something in this season, but not you. You're not going to lose you. We're going to be with you. We're going to stay with you. We're going to stay together. We're going to, all people stay on board. We're going to ride God to the end and we're going to get to the shore. In Jesus' name, I want you to determine in your life, I believe God, but two, I'll stay in community because in the next six to 12 months, you're going to need it more than ever. And I don't mean that to scare you, but the next six to 12 months are going to get difficult. And in those six to 12 months, we need to know if you need food. We need to know if you need a place to lay ahead. In the next six to 12 months, we need to know the needs that are going on in your life. Now, we're not saying use and we're not saying abuse, but we're simply saying you might come up against something that's bigger than you. Do not. We talked about it last week. Do not let the pride of, well, I don't, I'm not worthy of help keep you from getting what God wants you to do. We're in this together. I am thankful today that we will go to heaven and not meet the perfect we will meet the sinner that God made right. And so understand this today. As we grow and as we go, we're going to believe him together. Amen.